Hello and welcome again. Here we are again, I almost want to say, at the Fellow Cast with another Bring Your Own Bible episode with Garth van die Kerk. And we're treading along nicely in the book of Exodus. It feels like we've, we've, got, we've got up to speed now yes. in the, the whole story of Exodus. And today, uh, Garth is going to kick, kick us off where we ended last time. At the, we ended with the ninth plague. And so we're going into the tenth one, which is the death of the firstborn. So take us away there, Garth. I'm excited to see where this is going to go. Yes, thank you, man. This is going to take us, obviously, to Jesus Christ. Yeah. For us, this is the ultimate Old Testament picture of yes. being brought out of slavery to sin. So absolutely everything that we speak about here today is just so easy to plug into the Christian walk. Yeah, I mean. And it's a picture for us of how God redeemed us yeah. through the blood of Jesus, the Lamb yeah. that died for us. So it's uh, it's really beautiful. So the last plague then was darkness. Mm. And um, the people groped around trying to find their place and couldn't move. And again, God was gracious and he lifted the darkness. Mm. And just that miracle again, the people were, of Egypt were walking in complete darkness. They didn't know where they were going. Yeah. They couldn't find their way. The people of God were walking in perfect light. Yeah. No problem. Um, just as a last plague walking into this one it's just such a powerful image yeah. um they're staying in the same place these people know where they are in life they can see reality the other people can't yeah you know? wow. uh and sure. yeah then is um just as the darkness was lifted pharaoh warned moses remember and mm. said you better never see my face again yes. you know i'm gonna take you out and he said yes just as you say you will never see my face again. Yeah. And in chapter 11 then, it says, Now the Lord had said to Moses. So he was standing in front of Pharaoh, knowing what was about to happen. Mm. Knowing that there's a death of the firstborn that's going to take place. And that he will never see this guy's face again. And then at the end of the conversation, um, just about what God have already told him. Then at the end of verse 8, it says, Then Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. And the Lord had said to him, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you so that my wonders may be multiplied in Egypt. Now, remember, we had that strange interaction uh, just before Moses went into Egypt where um, Moses was about to die and then his son was consecrated. That's right. And just the verse before it, it said, um, tell Pharaoh, you must let my firstborn go. Otherwise, I will kill him. His firstborn. So this is this is not a surprise to God that this is where it's landing. Everything was coming to the tenth plague. Yeah. This was the plan. Everything <laughs> was was this is the climax that yeah. God was working towards. And he knew that at the death of Pharaoh's firstborn, my people will be set free. Mm. But also obviously he knew at the death of the Lamb my people will be spared wow, from yeah. the death of Egypt. Sure. So again, for us, how powerful that it's is. Parallels, yeah. um, that really, this is the only way that God knows we as people on the face of the earth of all generation, past and present, will be set free from slavery yeah. to sin. Powerful. Yeah. So there's then all these instructions given to the, Egypt, uh, to the Israelites where God says... Um, you have to ask the Israelites, uh, ask the Egyptians, first of all, for articles of silver. He says, tell the men and the women to go all throughout Egypt and ask their, their slave drivers, their maidservants, um, uh, their, their masters, 
for silver articles and precious things. Yeah. And it says the Lord made the, Israel, uh, the Egyptians favorable towards them. And um, they literally were about to plunder the wealth of Egypt as they were walking out. Very nicely, uh, though. Yes. Hey, would you give that to me? Yeah, yeah. And uh, in there, it also says, and Moses was highly esteemed yeah. by all the Egyptians. Yeah, and feared. My translation said he was a feared uh -huh. man as well, yeah. Yeah. So the past nine plagues have really placed them somewhere where the people say, well, these are the people of God, yes. the God. Um, and then we told they have to get um, a, a lamb, one year old, without any defect. And uh, they must get him on the 10th of the month. And then for four days, they must just keep him safe with them. Yeah. And have him ready by the 14th day um, at twilight. They must slaughter this lamb. And... Uh, that it's every family together must have a lamb. And if the family is small, there's all these very specific instructions. Yeah. You must join up with another family so that together you can eat this lamb. And none of its bones is allowed to be broken. It must not be cooked or boiled. It must be roasted over the fire. fire yes. And uh, when they eat it then together, nothing of it must be left to the next day. Mm. So everything about this lamb must be eaten up, all the flesh consumed, to put it that way. Um, again, draw the lines through to us. Jesus is a lamb without defect. Mm. There's no fault in him, absolutely. Um, and we told that uh, just like the bread that we break, it's sort of our Passover, our new Passover Christian instructions. Yeah. The body of Jesus is broken for us, and it's only by partaking of his body, making his body as if it's my own. He died on my behalf, mm. um, and I was completely partake of it. Nothing of what Jesus is, who he is, must be left. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and in that, then, is, is our salvation. Yeah, well. yeah. And then the people were told, you're not allowed to leave your house uh, all through the night. Because as soon as you slaughter that lamb at twilight, you're going to take some of his blood and you're going to put it over the door of your house, the door frame. And um, as long as you stay in the house, when death passes through Egypt, you will be passed over. Yeah. That's where the name comes from. And uh, you'll be safe, everybody inside the house. Yeah. It's also interesting that uh, it mentions that they have to eat the meal in haste. Yes. They have to be quick. They have to kind of goggle it down. There's a whole bunch of stuff there. There's very specifically, you have to have um, the, you must, ah, uh, uh, sort of, uh, I've left a note here. Sorry, Valdi, when I'm no, falling over my words. <laughs> um, you must eat with a cloak uh, tucked around your belt. Yeah. All right. And then you must have sandals on your feet. Yes. You must have, have the staff in your hand. You must be ready to go. Yes, but again, for us, it's just such an expectation. These people have been there yeah. by the time they leave for 430 years. Yeah. Interesting, to the day, sure. to the very day that they came in. It's 430 years. Uh -huh. um, and they're eating this meal dressed to leave. Yes. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Uh, uh, there must be such an expectation. Yeah. And even though there's such a warning that death is about to pass through the land, they know we're safe and we're about yeah. to leave. It's even how Moses addresses them. This is what will happen 
because you read it kind of as if it already happened. Yes. And then you realize, but it's him giving the instructions still. And it's so confident in that instruction that this will happen today. Yeah. On this day, this is going to happen. It's really, I yeah. uh, really took that as a, it must be very encouraging to hear it that way. Incredible. We're going to be leaving. <laughs> yes. Eat quickly, put your shoes on, get this ready. This is the last straw. The, yeah. the back of Egypt is about to be broken. Yeah. Um, and then what's really powerful for me is the fact that the, the dress they're ready to leave, and God says around midnight, the angel of death is going to go through um, Egypt. Mm. So they're sitting at home, having eaten this meal, and whatever they haven't eaten, they will bury it uh, into the ground. In other words, everything of it's gone, done. They've already baked unleavened bread, mm. stacked it up ready for the thing. Everything is tied up, ready to go. They've got their treasures, all of that stored up, ready, tied up. And then by midnight, they're ready. And sure enough, this massive wailing starts to go all throughout Egypt. And it says there was not a house in Egypt Started where somebody yeah, haven't wow. died. The firstborn son in every house have died. But among the Israelites, it says completely the opposite. While this wailing is going out through everybody crying in Egypt, in this territory of Goshen where the Israelites were, it says... Um, not even a dog will bark at a man or an animal. <laughs> it's, it's just this quiet peace. Yeah. Eh? This complete contrast. Yeah. This night of torment for um, the, Egyptians, the Egyptians, but this night of peace for the Israelites and this great expectation of freedom from slavery. Mm. And during the, the night then, um, sometime after midnight, a message is sent to Moses and Aaron and says, um, take your things and leave and interesting i've um just got the detail of that underlined for me because he says up leave my people you and the israelites go worship the lord as you have requested all right now remember how that request have come back and come back and he said uh no but our flocks have to go with take your flocks and herds as you have said and go and also bless me yeah this this is a changed man yeah. suddenly hey all that hardness of him has been wah, broken open yeah yeah every but every not, knee will bow yes but not completely we know he's <laughs> about to chase after them with his army in a day <laughs> or two um and he realized oh, now i've lost the power over these people yes um but then he will pay with his life for that yeah, no, it's, it's really, it's such a powerful thing. So what I want to jump over then is um, in chapter 13, the Lord is going to say, um, consecrate now the firstborn of every womb. In other words, it's animals and people in Israel to me. The firstborn will belong to God. But I want to jump a bit forward um, into Leviticus, uh, Numbers chapter 3, because then we actually get details of this contract that God have made with the people. Because what we have to believe is, they're not just now freed, they are bought by God. Mm. So that's what it means to be a Christian as well. Jesus died for me, my life is His. So that is freedom. To belong to God is freedom because I'm made for Him. But there is a remembrance that I am His. Yeah. That's probably why it says freedom in Christ. Yes. As long as I remain in him, I've got freedom uh, to live life the way that God intended it to live. 
but he is my lord yeah. which means he owns me there's a submission to his will and his way and yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's a joyous owning. Yeah, you don't want to be owned by Pharaoh. Yeah, in the same way for us, you don't want to be owned by the world, owned by sin, by yeah. the enemy. Yeah, you want to be owned by God because in that there's joy. Yeah, and that's the way that love was intended to be. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because I do think um, in our culture, when when it comes to owned or being under authority, it's of, often heard as negative. Yes, instead of in the way that you've described, being under the ownership of Christ or God. Um, being under the authority of God is a positive thing because uh, we've spoken about slavery before and how, yes. how that is such a blessing actually to be enslaved to someone who cares for you, yeah. who has your best interest at heart. And, and I, I think it is a shift that a lot of us have to make when it comes to being owned by God. It's not, mm. it's not for your demise, but it's for your, if I could say, promotion. It's yeah. for your uh, success because he wants a good life for you. Yes. So what happens then in Numbers chapter 3 is God reflects back on this and he says, all right, you have to go and count the tribe of Levi, all the men um, over the age of, I think it's 20. Go and count them because that tribe is a representative of the people of God then um, towards them. They're going to be the priests. They're going to be the people that appear before me, that ministers before me on your behalf. Mm. so really, they're a representative of the whole Israelite people. Yeah. Um, and so for us, it's easy to, to put into context because I'm uh, joined with Jesus in the ministry of reconciliation, which was the ministry of priesthood, yeah. um, standing between God and man. So as a Christian, I've got that role as the priest. We sort of seen as the Levite people you know, yes. of the Old Testament. Yeah. Now, what happened was, God tells them in chapter 3, verse 39 of Numbers, the total number of Levites counted at the Lord's command by Moses and Aaron, according to their clans, including every male, um, oh, it's a month old or more. It was the people was 20 years old or more, uh, was 22,000, a nice round number. And then God says, go now and count all the firstborn Israelite males, uh, who are a month old or more, and make a list of their names. So in contrast now, not just this clan, this one clan of Levi, now the whole people of Israel, go mm, and count mm. them, and let's see the number that we come out to. Um, and that number then comes in uh, verse 43. The total number of firstborn males a month old or more listed by name was 22,273. Yeah. And then the Lord says, all right, so I'm going to take one Levite, for every Israelite firstborn. And then we exchange. Uh, and the exchange was made. In other words, so literally you knew, okay, I was counted not as a, a Levite. I'm now from the tribe of Reuben or yeah. Judah. That Levite over there is taken on my behalf. Wow. That He represents me. Sure. That guy who's going to serve in the presence of God on my behalf, he yeah. represents me. How powerful a sign <laughs> is that? Again. And um, then it was found, okay, but wait, there's more Israelite firstborns than there are Levite uh, counted. So there's 273 now out. And the Lord literally then said to them to redeem the 273 firstborn. In other words, you've ran out of currency, Israelites. You don't have any firstborns to offer me anymore. Um who exceed the number of the Levites, collect five shekels for each one and give the money for the redemption of the additional Israelites to Aaron and his sons. And that word redemption is so important for us. So 
what the New Testament says for us then is, hey, God spared my life in Egypt. I should have died for my sin. I should have died as a slave because I've served that master yeah. willfully, right? But the lamb was slain on my behalf. The firstborn of God, the ultimate Levite, if you yeah. want to put it that way, the high priest was slain on my behalf. And it's a real contract. Mm. That's what this brings home for me. It's a real contract. It's his life for my life. Yeah. And that's how God sees it. I paid for you. Mm. You are paid for. My blood was shed on your behalf. Yeah. You now live for me. Sure. Yeah. And that's what um, baptism means, right? Yeah. We baptized on Sunday. Yeah. I no longer live. The life I live is in Christ, yeah. for Christ. Sure. Yeah. And it's something, there's always that, you know, something's only worth what you've paid for it, if I can put it that way. Yes. And it, it, that word redemption, you know, the life of Christ, his death, because we know how much he is worth and how he can be counted as worthy, suddenly it makes your life worth something again, even though you were just, like you said, a slave. Yeah. Um, just do a job, get through it, and suddenly there's a, there's a worth connected to your to your life which yeah. you wouldn't have had otherwise yes and he which he was willing to pay yeah isn't that glorious sure. yeah so the last thing we just have to touch on um i think Valdu, is that whole thing of the unleavened bread mm. because he's going to tell them for seven days get rid of all leaven in your house in other words you're not allowed to even keep it in the cupboard you must chuck it out all right so that there's no chance that there's any leaven in any of the bread that you make for these seven days. Um, what's that about? Okay. If we think about leaven, what does the New Testament ever say about leaven? Not really good, yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's a little leaven, lo a little leaven, uh, I want to say lumps the load. <laughs> lumps <laughs> no, the load. I'm, I'm falling You're over, over there, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, Living in the New Testament is used as, as, as good and bad, yeah. right? Because it says the kingdom of heaven is like, like leaven. Yeah. Uh, um, is it leaven or leaven? I think it's leaven. They should have leaven the leaven. It says the kingdom of God is like that. If it comes in, it, you cannot hide it in Works the corner of your life. Yeah. It's not a Sunday thing. It's not a family thing. It's a everything. It's yeah. in my work and everything. Um, so that's a good thing. And for the same reason, it's used as a negative thing With as well. With the Pharisees as well, yeah. He says, listen, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees because if you allow a bit of that in your life, it's also going to go all throughout. It's going to ruin everything. Yeah. Um, and so in that sense, I think here what it represents is, listen, you're about to leave Egypt and none of the leaven that you've bought there mm. is going to be taken with sure, you. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's complete start. Yeah, I think so. Um, because being a slave has been part of your life yeah. uh, for as long as you know. Um, and that's about to change. Uh, it's not going to be part of who you mm. are anymore. So they left not only having eaten for a whole week uh, unleavened bread, but also what they packed for the journey was unleavened which is a very practical thing on the one hand because suddenly you can take more. lots more bread because it's not puffed up yeah. um, for the journey. But on the other hand as well, I think it represents that, that mm. the New Testament shows. is that none, Free no, from that. Yeah, none of Egypt is part of who I am sure. anymore. I'm a new person. Yeah. Mm. 
That's really good thought. Interesting to compare it then with the, the wealth that they took from the Egyptians. You know, yes. they took some good stuff out. Yeah. And they left the bad stuff, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The leaven. I mean, obviously, leaven could also be good, as, as you said. Yeah. But I really uh, I agree with you. That's a good way of seeing it, kind of leaving that influence yes. behind of, of, of that in your life. Yeah. And we're going to see in the desert that um, that slave mentality that they yearn back for. Yeah. Um, they sort of remember the good of it, yeah. not remembering that they were beaten for it, you know, how much it cost them to be there. That's right. Um, that's going to come up a few times in the journey still now. So yeah. I, I don't think it's not a done deal, the same as with me and you. The Lord have taken me out of uh, Egypt, but he's still busy taking Egypt out of me. Yeah. Uh, we're going to see that as really it's part of the story. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Mm. Well, thank you so much again, Garth. Really, I think this is a, a, go a golden lesson for us today Absolutely. i really love i think that's probably why i was so excited because I, I read ahead a bit uh, before we started and I, it's that same th inside of me you kind of just jesus resonates uh, from these these uh, um, kind of parables if it's not parables but comparisons i mean it's really awesome to to read it and and hear it from your perspective as well so thank you so much from a biblical perspective yeah, appreciate, it. <laughs> appreciate it and yeah if you've been listening uh, thank you so much and we really trust that you've been blessed until next time then, bye.